0: We, uh, we're glad to have you this morning. Thank you for, for being here with us. Um, we, uh, we'll go ahead and get this out of the way. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. And if you don't, let our ushers bring you one. We're going to Mark chapter 4 today. And, uh, and uh, if you don't own one, we'd love for you to keep that one. You can take it. It's a gift. It's yours. And uh, we would love for you to have it. If, if uh, you just need to borrow it, that's fine too. But Mark chapter 4 is where we're going. Uh, before we get into that... Um, Uh, A couple things, Uh, right after the service today, we have catfish, Uh, catfish dinner for uh, uh, our students are raising money uh, for camp Um, and, uh, you know, just eat. All you got to do is eat. All you got to do is hang out and eat. Like, how hard is that? You know, so just give them a bunch of money. They say it's like 10 bucks a plate. I say just give them money. You know, just like, you know, give them a thousand bucks, get some catfish or something, you know, send some kids to camp. Uh, but no, seriously, all the, all the money that they're raising is going to, to send kids to camp. Camp is not cheap. Uh, kids are helping work this, to do this, to help, uh, pay for their camp, uh, and, uh, all that. So, uh, and if you, you know, maybe, maybe you just want to give money to send a kid to camp. what's well, 300 bucks. So, you know, send a kid to camp. That'd be awesome. Uh, and, uh, that'd be fantastic. But, uh, so that's going on right after the service. And, uh, just to kind of, to kind of go on with that, um, You know, a lot of things going on around here that a lot of folks don't get to see, and I don't even get to see all of the things going on around here. But one of the things that I've noticed that's been happening as of late is uh, our students, Penny, who's our youth minister, Jason Pennington, we call him Penny. uh, Penny uh, and our student ministry uh, have been seeing students coming to know the Lord, uh, and they have been baptizing students on Wednesday nights here. So, uh, you know, just some pretty awesome stuff kind of going on there. Uh, and we try to get all that stuff to Facebook and all that. Uh, it doesn't always make it there. But anyway, just, you know, just, you know, make and mention, you know, God's really doing some cool stuff. I, I told, uh, I even told one of the deacons uh, Wednesday night uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of reminded of, um, I'm kind of reminded of some of the things that are happening right now remind me of when we first started the church. Uh, and, and, and you weren't here during that time. Uh, that was just a very special time, and just got to see God just move in some of the craziest ways ever. Uh, and uh, I mean, just it's just it's just kind of nuts. Uh, just seeing uh, how many people uh, God's bringing here, and what God is doing, and uh, the te- the stories I'm hearing people tell of what God's doing in their lives, and within the church, and all that's just some cool stuff. Uh, so, but uh, pretty pretty neat, pretty neat time in the in the life of our church. I really do believe that. Um, and uh, just make, to make, make mention, I'll probably make mention of Slater again because I think Ben jetted out on stage. so I've got the announcements. Uh, but uh, the, uh, uh, we have a volunteer appreciation uh, thing that we do. Uh, we just started doing that last year. Uh, that's coming up the first Saturday night of June. Uh, so if you serve uh, and volunteer in any way, shape, or form, uh, we want you to be here for that. You, I promise you, you do not want to miss it. People missed it last time, and they were crybabies about it. Uh, And so don't be a crybaby. Just make sure you're there. Uh, If you're not serving somewhere, then, you know, get involved. Serve. Uh, Be a part of the body. Don't just be an attender. Uh, You know, be a part of the body. Let God use you. Uh, And uh, you talk to them at the front desk about that. They can help answer questions and get you on the right track with doing that. So uh, that's coming up, too. All right. So. We're going to uh, Mark chapter 4 today, and uh, fitting with the catfish today, because catfish should be eaten with ketchup, because that's how it's properly eaten. (sighs) Can I get an amen? All right. And uh, as all meats should be eaten with ketchup. Uh, But uh, uh, oh, what is this? Don't make me cast you out. Thirteen and a half years in this, I hadn't cast anybody out yet. My goodness. People. Lord. Let's have an invitation right now. Um, no, but uh, we're uh, we, uh, uh, talking today about fruit. My, my tie-in, so you completely jacked up my tie-in. Ketchup to fruit. Talking, I was going go to go from ketchup to tomatoes. Uh, so, But anyway, no, talking about fruit today. We are talking about fruit today. And, <coughs> and, I, and I love fruit. I love fruit almost as much as I love ketchup, Uh, (coughs) and uh, I got water, I got issues, Um, but uh, the um, the deal with fruit, I love fruit, I love bananas, I love apples, Uh, I love blackberries, I love watermelon, who doesn't love watermelon? Let's just put you on the spot, you and my wife, and y'all might as well just leave, you know? Probably, (laughs) But no, seriously, you know, I I love fruit and and Jesus uses fruit to help illustrate some stuff for us this morning uh, in this passage that we're reading today, which is a passage that maybe you've studied on before, but I, I just encourage you this morning as we're going through this passage, I'm praying that God would speak to your heart. I'm praying that he would speak to your heart about your heart. And, and that's exactly what he's talking about today as he's talking about these different soils and somebody that's spreading seed and all this kind of thing. That's what we're looking at today. Let's look at this. Mark chapter 4 verse 1. Mark chapter 4 verse 1. And it says, And again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. And he got into a boat and he sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So basically, we've got Jesus with a big old crowd of people. All these people, we've been talking about this for several weeks. We're walking through the book of Mark together. And uh, we're, we're seeing this ongoing thing of all these people following Jesus and trying to get to Jesus. And many of them, selfishly so, like they want to get to him because they, they've heard that he's been healing people. And they want to get healed. They've got disease or sick or whatever it is. And they say, "What well, that guy's going to heal me, you know, so I want to get to him. And Jesus has really used that little bait and switch here where Jesus uses that to get them to come and hear the gospel to really be healed of their sin. He's not really worried about their sickness. You know, it's kind of a funny thing. I mean, to to say that, to hear that, I mean, Jesus cares about us. But when we really think about it, what Jesus cares the most about us is, is that we would know him, that we would be healed from our sin, which only happens in believing in him because of the work that He's done on the cross, because of the empty tomb. And so with Jesus, we have this amazing story of what He's done, what God has done in sending Him for us. And so when He came, sure, He had the power to heal people of sickness, but He did those things so that they would see He really was the Son of God. He did those things so that they would come and they would hear the truth of the gospel, that they would be saved from their sins. Which is our real sickness in life. You know, and, and, and you know, we, we think about sick, and we think about sicknesses and diseases, and there's so many of those things, and we hate some of those things, obviously so. But the truth is, is at the end of the day, this, this life is not it. And Jesus understands that. He understands something that, that for so many of us is hard to, for us to grasp a lot of days of our lives, even those of us that are strong believers or whatever, is that this isn't it. This isn't it. And so one day there is going to be a need for us to be able to be redeemed, to stand before the Father, to be forgiven of our sin. It's only through Jesus that that happens. Jesus has done that for us. And we see him telling these people, talking to them, sharing the gospel. They're standing at a sea. He's standing in a boat. I'm kind of imagining this picture, if you will, as a whole, you know, where he's in this boat and he's standing, sitting, whatever he's doing. And, uh, you know, no no sound system, no microphone, lots of people around on the shore. And I'm imagining as he's talking, his voice echoing off the water. And I'm betting that it's really quiet. I'm betting they're, they're just hanging on every word of what is this guy going to say next to us. And it goes on in verse 2, and it says, And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Behold, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, when he says listen there, it's kind of, he's kind of, it's kind of a command. It's, well, it is a command. And he's like, look, I'm about to tell you something really important here, okay? It says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. What's a sower? Well, a sower is somebody who sows. <laughs> so somebody who spreads seed. You'll see. Verse 4, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, and it didn't, on rocky ground, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus talks about this. He shares this parable. Jesus taught in parables. In fact, he's going to give us a little insight here in a minute as to why he teaches in parables. But Jesus teaches in these stories called parables. And as he's teaching through this, he's sharing this story about this sower Who's scattering seed? I don't know if you've ever done this. I can only think of like one time in my life. I'm not much of like a, I don't care much about my yard. We, we all park in it, uh, kill the grass. I don't really care. It'd make me any difference as long as it's not a mud hole and we're not spinning out in it, you know. And so uh, my neighbors, I'm sure, love it. Um, but, uh, you know, one time in my life, I remember scattering seed. I remember, you know, a farmer I worked for had me walking around in a field and all around this, you know, big piece of property, and I had one of these things, and we put the, put the seed in this thing, and you had a crank, and it's throwing the seed out, you know, and I'll never forget, because I had, to, I had to do it for like three days straight, three days straight, okay, walking around in a field, scattering seed, this was not fun, all I remember is like, you know, we'd like cranking, 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 snake, I'm going home, you know, <laughs> That's no lie. You could ask him. Well, you can't now, but anyway. So, you know, the, the, whole, the whole thing, you know, scattering seed, and that's what the sower's doing here, and, and it's talking about, Jesus is talking about this different types of ground in which the seed was going on. So different types of ground, seed reacts differently. The first one that he talks about, he talks about a path. And if you pay attention there, the, the path where the seed gets thrown onto the path, birds come and devour it. Why is that? Well, it's because the path is hard. Think about, think about a path. Think about a, a path that you walk on all the time. Think about, and especially in that day and time, a path that they would have used as a path, either around their fields where they might plant things or where they constantly walk and that type of thing, would be compacted and it would be really tight. And so the seed would just lay on top of it and eventually the birds would come and eat it. The next one he talks about, he talks about rocky ground. And he talks about, you know, and obviously rocky ground would be full of rocks. So the seed would, you know, fall onto that, but not really do a whole lot. You know, it would, it would kind of start to spring up or whatever, but the roots didn't have anything. So when it says when the sun came out, it scorched it, killed it. And then there was the ground that was among thorns. And although it grew up, the thorns choked it out. And so basically it never yielded any grain. And then he says there's good soil. Verse 6, it says, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Now, my understanding is that for a seed to produce 5-fold to even 15-fold would be, I mean, just amazing. So when he's talking here, Jesus is talking here in 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold... He's talking about in, in this grander like understanding of like God intervening. He has blessed the crop in some kind of crazy, crazy way. So, what's all this about? Why, why, why all about the sower? Why all about the seeds? Why all about the different soils? Jesus is trying to help us to see some things and understand some things about who we are. And more specifically, he's trying to help us to understand something that's very important, which is the condition. I want you to hear me say this, the condition of our hearts, the condition of our hearts, because the condition of our hearts plays such a huge role when it comes to the things of God and what we do with the truth. Now, Jesus goes on. We actually have this as the longest parable that Jesus talks about because he goes into a full explanation. And most of the parables that you see Jesus speak about and share kind of have like one, one main point kind of a thing. And in this one, Jesus actually explains for us. We're about to hear his explanation. So you don't really even need so much of my commentary on this parable. Jesus does it for us. Jesus basically preaches the thing for us. It goes on. Let's read verse 12. It says, And when he was alone, those who were around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven." This is, an interesting, this is an interesting little deal. First of all, we've got, we've got the disciples and some other people here and kind of like this, you know, a little bit of an inner circle kind of thing going on. And they're asking Jesus about the parables. And he's beginning to explain. And they're, you know, they're asking, Jesus, why are you always talking in stories? That's what they're getting at. And, and, and so Jesus begins to explain, well, you know, I have given you, he says, verse 11, I've, to you... Has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. So he's he's saying here, I have more specifically spoken to you about the secret of the kingdom of God, the secret that of this kingdom to come. And you gotta kind of place yourself in the moment and in the time, and the people of God were looking for the kingdom of God to come, but what were they really looking for? They were looking for a king, they were looking for a political person who is going to come and sit on a throne. And, and bring all of, the, all of God's people, all of the people, you know, everybody was going to, we're going to be blessed. We're going to have everything. We're going to have everything we want, everything we need. You know, they were, they, were looking, they were looking for something, and part of it was selfish. When Jesus comes, he starts to share with, especially his disciples, some of these people around him, what the kingdom of God really looks like. It's not the same kingdom. It's not the kingdom that many of them were looking for. It's a different kind of kingdom. It's a kingdom of loving people and caring for people. And and, and ultimately, the most important piece was the gospel, the truth that God would be sending and had sent Jesus to come and die, to come live the perfect life, to be the perfect sacrifice, to die the death that we deserve for our sin, that if we believe in Him, that He would save us from our sin. So we've got this whole, this whole thing going on here. And as Jesus is talking about this, he's saying, Guys, I've already given you guys the secret. But I'm doing something different with the people out there. I've got the stories. I've got the parables. He says, uh, verse 11, we'll read it again. It says, To you have been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they must indeed see but not perceive And they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. What what is he talking about? Is, Is Jesus saying he doesn't want people to understand what he's saying? That's kind of what he's saying. That's kind of what he's saying. You're like, what? why in the world? Okay, let's talk about this for a minute. We just talked about the kingdom that they're looking for. And the kingdom that he's bringing is very different. So Jesus is saying... The kingdom secret which I have given to you guys, I can't just go out there and just start immediately spewing that out loud to all of them because they, if I do so, they're not going to listen to it. They're not going to hear it. But I tell them through parables what it means. And if they have ears, in other words, if God is helping them to understand, they will hear. What did he say right before verse 10 and verse 9, Into verse 9? He said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We know something from Scripture, and that's this, that the Holy Spirit has to speak to our hearts to help us to believe. We don't just wake up one day and go, you know what? I think I'm going to be a Christian today. You know? I think, I think you know, I mean, we, we do that about other things. Like, well, you know what? Today I think I'm, I'm going to eat catfish today with ketchup. God bless it. No. No tartar sauce. (laughs) We don't do that when it comes to believing in Christ. Scripture teaches us that we understand that the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart, helps us to see the need for us to have a Savior, helps us to see the need that we are struggling and lost in our sin. And that God has made a way for us by sending Jesus to die for us. And this is, this is huge for us. Jesus is saying, if I just go out there and I just start telling them about the kingdom of God, it's not PC. It's not politically correct. Guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm telling them in stories, so they've got to try to understand it. And God is going to help the people that need to understand it to understand it. The people that will humble themselves the people that will allow themselves to be able to hear that, those are the people that are going to hear. What's he say? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Who doesn't hear? You know who doesn't hear? People that think they've got it all figured out. You know what I'm talking about? I know you know some. I know a bunch of them. People that think they've got it all figured out, they they don't need to hear. They don't think they need to hear. The truth is, is that we all need to constantly hear from the Lord. We all constantly need to hear what He has to say to us. He had already told them the secret of the kingdom of God. He didn't tell them in parables. But what's He say? He says, but for those outside, everything is in parables. And in verse 12, He says, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Do you not understand this parable? He says, how then will you understand all the parables? Jesus is like, you know, you, gotta, you, gotta, you guys got to be with me on this. So then he gives the explanation for the parable. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So the first one, which we've already talked about a little bit, but the first one is when the seed falls onto the path, which we read above is when the birds eat it, right? Jesus goes a little further into helping us to see. says, When they hear, Satan immediately comes down and takes away the word that is sown in them. So, where we've got birds above, it's Satan below. But either way, it's the things that are being sown are taken away. It goes on. Verse 16. It says, And these... Are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises, on account of the word, I think that's interesting, He's, he kind of clarifies, on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Now, we, 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 we're, as, we're, as we're reading these, you're probably thinking of people in your life. Maybe you think of yourself. Or something, I don't know. This one in particular, I mean, I've got somebody very close to me in my life that I think is right there, and I think they would say that they're right there. They would say today that they're not a believer, but two years ago they would have said they were. People that have come to the faith, but have not truly believed. I'll I'll read that again, verse 16. Verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. They're excited about it, okay? And they're like, hey, gung-ho, I love Jesus, let's go, you know, and all this kind of thing. And then what happens? In verse 17, and they have no root in themselves, right? Rocky ground. Rocky ground doesn't let you have roots. Have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Immediately they fall away. Just like a plant that is sown on rocky ground, when the wind blows, it has no roots. And the plant falls over, it withers in the sun. You see, roots do a lot of things for a plant or tree. Kevin, many of you guys could talk about this much better than I can. They hold water. The sun comes out, scorches the plant, it's done. The wind comes by and blows it Blows It over. It doesn't have anything to hold it to the ground. Tree systems, you look at a tree, if you could see the root system of a tree underground, you would see that sometimes underground it's even bigger than what we see as the actual tree. It's amazing what God does and how He grows things. We have to have roots to hold strong. In times when, especially when the Word comes under fire in our lives. The Word. What's he talking about the Word? He keeps talking about the Word. Well, let me help you with that. John 1.14. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who's that? That's Jesus. Jesus is the Word. God is the sower. And truthfully, anybody else could be a sower if they're sharing the good news of Jesus. But the Word, when it comes down to it, is talking about Jesus. Tribulation and persecution comes against us. If we don't hold strong to it, it's more than likely because the root system is not good. And we fall and we give up. And as it says there, immediately they fall away. So then there's the third kind of soil. Right? The thorns. Verse 19. I'm sorry, verse 18. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the Word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful that's a scary one that ought to be a scary one for us as americans who live in this day and age who can talk ourselves into believing we don't have anything when we've got everything when we think that we're poor and the truth is that we're rich that should be scary for us that should be one of those things it's like man i don't i don't know is it possible that that's That's my soil right there. Those who hear the Lord, the Word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the Word and it proves unfruitful. You see, oftentimes that's the look. That's the look of someone who's following Jesus. That's the look of someone that's following Jesus. But then when it comes down to it, as the Lord leads, as Jesus leads, as the word challenges us in moments in our life, we've got decisions to make to either follow him or to follow the things of this world. And, and I mean, this is, this is Jesus talking. I mean, there's a reason why he's given us this. And, and then let, me, let me say this, it's not for a guilt trip, okay? So if like right now you're like beating yourself up and you're like, man, this is walking all over me today. Let me just tell you, if the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart, listen to it, but it's not for the sake of a guilt trip so that you just feel sorry for yourself. It's so that we would do something about it. If the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things are playing a part in your life to choke you out when it comes to following Jesus, that's between you and the Lord. You need to pay attention to that. Jesus goes on. And he talks about the good ground. Verse 20 says, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And there's that, there's that God's doing an amazing thing type of thing right there. You know? There's that again. There's, there's God at work In our lives, if we'll let Him be. You see, the soil, folks, is this. The soil is our hearts. The soil is our hearts. So, what kind of heart do we have toward the Lord? What kind of heart do we have? Do we have the path, which is a hard heart? Hard heart is that that is so hard we don't let the truth sink in. In fact, probably too busy to even hear it. There are probably, I, I, would, I, would, I have to believe there are people who believe that they are Christians, but the truth is, is they are not allowing the truth of God's Word to enter their heart and to change it the way He would have it changed because it's probably just too busy. The second one, the rocky ground, is the shallow heart. You know, the root kind of starts to take a little bit. Seed grows a little bit. But the root's not good enough to really hold it because it's too shallow. Excited at first. But the first moment that something goes wrong, it's blame God. Why would He do this? Can't believe that. I'm done. I'm leaving the faith. And the truth is, is, it was never real. The third one is the thorns, the thorny soil. And it's a divided heart, divided between the things of this world and who God is and the things that He would have for us, giving in on convictions, caught up in the world, trying to serve two masters. And we know that you can't do that like we've, we we read it in scripture, and yet we still fight to do that sometimes in our life, don't we? There are moments in life where we where we know physically, we know literally in those moments in our life where we are choosing the things of this world over God. Let me just encourage you something. God, when Jesus came and He left us, He left us with the Holy Spirit. And He says, I'm going to leave you with this. This is the third member of who God is, the third member of the Trinity, just as much God as Jesus or the Father. The Holy Spirit came to live within us, those who have believed in Jesus to be their Savior, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, guiding us, convicting us, helping to lead us. But if the soil of our heart is divided, shallow, or hardened against God, then I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit's going to have a tough time leading us anywhere. Because what? We got it figured out. We already got it figured out. We're those people that we say we don't want to be. We become those people. We become just like those people that we see Jesus teaching. And they're they're there and they're, first of all, don't understand it. Secondly, they're disagreeing with everything. Jesus didn't come for political commentary. Jesus came that we might be saved. He came that we might have freedom from sin. He came that we might bear fruit, that we would have fruitful hearts, that the soil of our hearts would be a soil that a seed could grow in and and produce great fruit for the kingdom of God, and that in turn we would fulfill the very purpose of why God created us. Do you know what the purpose is for life? Do you know what our purpose is for life? Do you know why God created you? For His glory. For His glory. That others would know Him because they know us. That we would make Him known at every turn in life. That in everything that we do in life, people would see Jesus in us. But it takes good soil. It takes a fruitful heart. Not a hard heart, not a shallow heart, not a divided heart, a fruitful heart. And if we have a fruitful heart, out of it comes fruit. You remember the fruit, right? Watermelons. Man, I love watermelons. Blackberries. Bananas. I think Cash eats 10 bananas a day. I don't know how he does it. The soil of our heart matters. Soil in general matters. I'm not much of a farmer. A gardener, I worked on a farm for about three years in high school, and I'm grateful for the time spent, but I'm glad that I don't own a farm. My dad loves to garden, and any any farmer or gardener will, that's worth their while they'll tell you that if you're going to grow something, you've got to prepare the soil. if you're going to grow something, you've got to prepare the soil and 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 so most of them they that they really want to grow something good, they want to grow good, nice, ripe, big old, fat, juicy tomatoes, which is what my dad is good at growing, then he will do something to the ground ahead of time. He will plow it. will plow it. He'll till it. He loves doing this. This is his thing. It's always been his thing. He wanted to be my thing, and I just cared about cars. I didn't want anything to do with it. His dad's thing was also, he was a farmer. He grew, my dad grew up on a farm. And they plowed. Dad talks about how my grandfather, Papaw Marshall, which is Cash's first name, would use a thing called a subsoiler between the rows of the things that he planted. And the reason he did this was it would break up the ground down in there. You, you go, well, why in the world would you, you know, do that? Well, to, to break up the ground really well would allow more air and more water to get down to the roots of what was being planted. On top of that, if it's more loose and not compacted like a path or something, and it doesn't have things in its way like rocks, then the roots are able to grow out under the ground. It's it's more loose, and so they're just spreading. They're spreading to where that water is and where that space is all under the ground. And when the root system is greater, they produce greater fruit. This is true for us in our hearts. If our hearts are a place right now where we're not listening to the Holy Spirit because we think we know better than God, we're we're picking and choosing sin in our lives and going, well, God, you know, I, I appreciate you trying to lead me in your word. But, you know, for right now in 2018, I think I'm okay. And I think I'm still just going to do this my way over here with these little things. What ends up happening is, is that we shut God down and we're not making our hearts a place of good soil. Hardened heart, shallow heart, divided heart. Pick your flavor. God wants us to produce great fruit. What does that even look like? Great fruit. How are we supposed to produce fruit? don't see anybody growing bananas out of their ears, do you? Although I've seen some crazy stuff come out of people's ears. Me included. I got a thing in a little jar. Oh, never mind. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Talks to us about the fruit. Talks to us specifically about the fruit. Galatians 5 shows us this. It says this. It says, Verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. See all those? Gentleness, self-control. And it says, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, if that's true... If we have come under Christ and He is truly our Lord, we have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It doesn't matter how big or small the sin is, folks. I'm telling you, it's, it's rocky. It's hardening our hearts. It's those things that we've got to be willing to humble ourselves. I don't, know what, I don't know what you're struggling with. But whatever it is that we're struggling with, we've got to be willing to humble ourselves And allow God to remove those things from our lives. And when we do, the soil begins to be a place in which fruit can grow. What's the fruit again? There it is, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Aren't these things that we're constantly saying, man, the world needs more of blank. That. The world needs more of that. I mean, that's, that's, we say that all the time. Well, where's the world? Well, I, I sure wish God would intervene. I sure wish God would do something in the world. I wish He would do something in our community. I wish He'd do something in my church or in my neighborhood or whatever. Well, guess what? There it is, and it's all in us. If we'll follow Him, this is the fruit that will come out of our lives. And you're going, Chris, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have much patience. I don't have much peace. My joy is not doing so good right now. Well, guess what? You want to know why? Probably because you've been doing it your way. Humble yourself before the Lord and let Him plow your heart and cultivate in it the things of His Word, the the things of Jesus, and you just don't wait and watch and see if that's the kind of stuff that doesn't grow out of it. Suddenly, you kick Eeyore to the curb. Suddenly, you got a smile on your face every once in a while. You see people say, how are you doing? I- I'm doing really good. Oh, oh, well, that's not just doing okay. You're doing really good? Yeah, yeah, why are you doing good? Man, I just got to tell you, God's just doing some really cool stuff in my life right now. I'm happy about it. That's fruit, people, and we need that kind of fruit. Guess what? God is doing some great stuff. And the truth is is that for many of us, we're having those moments in life where we're missing what he's doing because we don't have the joy that only comes from him. The peace that only comes from him. The patience that only comes from him. Who needs some patience in here? Come on. The rest of you are liars. And God just saw you. goes on in verse 23. Verse 23 shows every man's favorite, gentleness. Come on. And then, and then right after that, self-control. Let me help you to understand something. By the way, gentleness is a good thing. Let me, tell, let me help you understand something that's very important to our faith with all of these things. Because I think a lot of people will look at something like a joy and go, well, I'm just not a joyful person, Chris. Well, you know what? You're not because you're a sinner. And if you're going to continue to live in sin and let sin be the thing that dwells and leads your life and have a hardened heart or a divided heart or uh, whatever, a shallow heart or whatever it's going to be, then yeah, yeah, I can totally see you're not going to be joyful. But let me help us to understand something. In the moment in which we trusted in Jesus to be enough to save us and forgive us of our sin, in that moment, He changed our lives. And in doing so, one of the things that he did is he gave us the ability to have these things as our fruit, including self-control. Including self-control. Now, Satan doesn't want us to believe that. He, wants, he absolutely wants us to believe that there are sins in our life that we will never be able to overcome, and that is a lie from the pit of hell. He wants us to believe that so that we won't be freed. Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, that we'd be free from all sin, all of it, that we would be able to exercise self control, and that big burly dudes could be gentle. That's the work that he's done, and we either believe it or we don't. Like it's it's an all-in-one, inclusive thing. Like you don't you don't you know you don't get to just like go for a day. No, this is life. This is the whole thing. And this is about our hearts. The soil is about our hearts. And what are we going to what are we going to do? Are we going to allow God to work in our hearts? Are we going to allow him to go in there and plow and plant seeds of the gospel that take root, that change who we are, and change how we talk and change what people know us to be? Let me encourage you in this. It would be really easy to hear this message today and and just beat yourself all to pieces. Just, oh, gosh, I'm a mess. After hearing that, I'm just a mess. I know it. Well, yeah, maybe you are. But you know what? Before you go that far and just beat yourself up about which soil are you in your heart and all this kind of stuff, how about instead of focusing on which soil am I right now, how about we focus on what soil we are going to be? How about we focus on whether or not we're going to be good soil and we're going to be a place where we're going to seek the Lord, we're going to humble ourselves, and we're going to allow Him to work in our hearts. What if if that's the focus instead of all the failures that we've had in life? Forget that stuff. Forget that stuff. Jesus died on the cross that we could walk away from that stuff and follow Him and that He could work in our hearts and all these things would come out as fruit. Big old juicy fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Remember what God has done. Jesus died that we might be redeemed. Doesn't, Doesn't anywhere in Scripture say Jesus died that we might spend the rest of our lives woeing over the sin of our past? Forget that stuff. Forget it. God wants you to be free from it. He wants you to move forward in what He's called you to be, who He's called you to be, where He's called you to be. And suddenly, our hard hearts and our shallow hearts and our fruitful heart, our divided hearts, begin to soften up to be fruitful hearts where the seeds can be planted and the gospel roots can grow strong and our lives be changed. And there'd be an outpouring of fruit. My grandfather, who was famous, I mean literally famous, in Nelson County, Kentucky, which is where Bardstown's at, my grandfather was famous for the stuff he grew. I never lived in Bardstown near my grandfather, so you know we would go trips, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, different times of the year, vacations up there, and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I have a lot, I've got a lot of good memories of my grandfather. And I mean, right up to the, to the day that he died, he, he worked hard and, you know, farmed and all of this, lived in this little, you know, lived in this little house, little farmhouse, and uh, didn't have two nickels scratched to scratch together most of the time. When my grandfather died and I was at the funeral, I'll never forget standing there by dad and all these people coming by. And all these people come by and are you know, consoling my dad, consoling the family with all these good memories they had of martial royalty. And, and uh, in doing so, I mean, they, they'd say a lot of great things. And, I mean, my grandfather, I, like, helped people like crazy, apparently. I didn't get to see a lot of that, especially early on in his life. But he would just, I mean, the kind of guy I'd give you shirt off his office, back, whatever, just would do anything to help you if you needed help. I heard, I know that because I heard all these people telling us, About all the things. Telling stories. Things he had done for them. And they would share other things like he loved Jesus. He was faithful to his church. You know, all these things. But but it always came, every single one of them came back to the same thing at the very end of of what he's talking about. He was famous for fruit. He was famous for the things that he grew. Most probably... Of all cantaloupes. My grandfather was known for his cantaloupes. He he was that guy who would be out on the side of the road with a you know truck and selling all this stuff. He had like a 77 Nova there for a long time toward the end, and he'd sell, you know, he'd just lay all this stuff up all over the roof and the trunk and the hood of the car and just sit on the side of the road. Sell this stuff. One person after another come by. Oh, your grandfather. Oh, you know, he could grow a cantaloupe that's bigger than anybody's head in here. You know, that was the that was like their judgment of like what a good cantaloupe is, I guess. Whether it's bigger than your head or not. My grandfather was famous for growing fruit. What if we were famous for what God grew out of us in our lives? What if we were famous for being people of of not, not, not faking it type here. True joy. What if we were famous for being people that were joyful because of who God is in our life? What if we were famous for being people of patience, kindness, having peace, or love? We were known for that. What if people knew us because of those things and, and that it stood out in such a way That those people had to know that it didn't come from us. But it came from God. It came from Him working in the soil of our hearts, leading us and guiding us through this life that other people would see Jesus in us. What if we were known for it? But better yet, what if we were known for making Him known? That's living up to our purpose. That's the glory of God. That's making Him famous. Will you allow God to plow in your heart and plant the seeds of the gospel that He might change a world around you through not our power, but His power? Because His love has a power that our love could only dream of. And He wants to use that through us in this world to make a difference, to intervene in the lives of people, many of those people being people that you and I love and care for very much, that are people that we want them to know Jesus. And I'll leave you with what Jesus left them. He said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. May God speak to your heart and may you listen. May God speak to my heart and may I listen. That he would lead us and guide us. That we would have good soil and fruitful hearts. Let's pray. God, I, I pray Lord, for anybody that's listening to this that hasn't trusted in you to be their savior. I pray that today would be the day that you would save them. I pray that God, they wouldn't just believe on you but they would trust in you and they would allow you to take root in their heart God change them forever Lord save them like you saved me a wretched sinner God help us to walk away from the past and start walking toward what you have for us in the future God may we cultivate good soil may we may we be people who desire in our hearts for our hearts to be places where you work and you lead and you guide and you convict and we listen. God, help us to be true to who you've called us to be. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.